Thanks for listening to The Rebuild, a Seattle Seahawks podcast with me, Rob Staten. Today, I've been speaking to Coach Jim Levitt. He was the 49ers linebackers coach between 2011 and 2014, working with Vic Fangio. More recently, he's been working as a defensive coordinator in college football with Colorado, Oregon, Florida Atlantic, and SMU. If you ask him, he'll tell you that nobody knows the 3-4 better than he does. With the Seahawks bringing in coaches who have worked for Vic Fangio, and with the team shifting towards the 3-4, Coach Levitt felt like the perfect person to talk about the types of players who fit the scheme. The great thing about the 3-4 is it has answers. It has answers to all the different formations, the different sets, uh, different things that an offense wants to do. And that's one of the reasons people went from the 4-3 to the 3-4 because of flexibility. And again, has answers. I'd like to ask you about the defensive line. How integral or not is it to have a really good two-gapping nose tackle? Is it a position you pretty much, you know, maybe you can plug somebody in, or is it an area of greater importance than that? It's of great importance, in my opinion. I think it's the three-four starts for that nose. Now, he's only a first and second down player. He's not going to be on the field probably in a passing situation. Uh, or a situation where, you know, they're going to throw the ball because he's probably not a real good pass rusher. But he's got to be a beast. He's got to be able to handle the center. He does have to be able to handle both A-gaps, even though the linebacker, the inside linebacker, is going to play off the nose. So if the nose got reached one way or the other, he would just play the backside A, and the backside inside linebacker would play the frontside A. So, you know, the, he's always going to make the nose right. The better the nose is, the more freedom those linebackers have. And that's one of the great things about the three fours, the um, ability for the inside linebackers to not get blocked and to be able to make plays from sideline to sideline. You know, in the three, four defense, you're, the people who are going to make most of your tackles are going to be your inside linebackers and your safeties. So how good do those linebackers need to be? You know, if, if, if the scheme sets them up to make a lot of plays, if they're in a position to make a lot of plays, how important is it that you have two good linebackers there? And what are their duties? You know, how, how, do they, how does the role of a 3-4 inside linebacker differ from the standard, you know, Mike, Will, Sam in a 4-3? In a well, first of all, in a 4-3, those three linebackers are going to get blocked more often. They'll have people up on them more. In a 3-4, you've got two defensive ends that are over the offensive tackles. You've got your nose that's on the center. And here they just really deal with the guards most of the time, the offensive guards. You know, unless those tackles get reached in your DNs, your DNs are very important too. They, they've got to be really good players. They've got to have some length. You'd like to have them some length. Uh, most of them around 6'4", probably around 300 pounds. Got to be very strong, and they've got to be able to handle an offensive tackle. The inside linebackers have to be very good. they got to be able to run. they got to be able to anticipate. they got to be able to tackle well. they got to be able to get off blocks, you know, from mostly the offensive guards. Uh, and... Um, you know, so those, they, they are very important. They don't have to be as big as people think. A lot of times people think the three, four inside linebackers have to be really big, but I had two of the best in the world at the 49ers with Pat Willis and Navarro Bowman. They weren't particularly that big. Uh, Navarro was probably about six foot one, probably about 242 pounds. Pat Willis was about six foot three, about 238 pounds. But they could run, they could make plays. They were great tacklers. They had strong hands. They anticipated well. They had a great nose for the ball, and they're very smart. 
want to ask you about the end position. What makes a, a good three, four end or a, or a five technique then? What kind of a player do you look for? And you, you've touched on it a little bit there, but what are their key duties, would you say? Well, I got to get their hands on the offensive tackle. So you want to have some length or at least arm length. Uh, they've got to have good feet. They've got to have good strength, got to have good power. And um, to me, you know, those are, those are big, big keys. Uh, you know, to play a defense band in the three, four is, is difficult. It's not, it's not very easy because you're, you know, you're playing them a lot of times head up those offensive tackles. So they're in a position to be reached, but you can set those DNs up in a way that they can by the formation of the back where the back's located they can sometimes uh play to whether the back's on their side or not in other words if the back was on their side they can play inside a tad to the offense tackle because the stretch play is probably going to go away from them if the back is away from them they probably want to play more head up because the stretch play will probably go towards them so they can line up a little bit by the back location and that being a pretty good indicator um but those DNs got to be really good players. A lot of times I say that I want them to be about 6'4", 295 at least, be able to run great feet, great, great strength, very important, and to be able to read those offensive tackles uh, quickly uh, because really they don't really read the ball as much. You can perif the ball a little bit, but usually they're going to read the, uh, the hat or the, um, uh, uh, or the body of the, of the, of the offensive tackle. You, you, when you were in San Francisco, there was there was obviously Justin Smith there. Um, you know, two eighty five pounds. You mentioned length a couple of times. You know, he had just over thirty two inch arms. Does it show that you know if if you've got a player as good as Smith, who's maybe got the intensity and the attitude and the physicality that he has, that you can make it work at that position, even if you maybe not got the ideal physical profile for that role. And and you know how rare is a player like Smith? to be able to fit into sort of that position when he hasn't got the ideals? Well, Justin had pretty good length. <clears throat> he had great mentality. He was very tough and he was very, very strong and he ran well. He had very good feet. So maybe his arm length could have been a little bit more, but he had all the other attributes. So, and, and you're always going to have a person that doesn't fit the mold, but ends up being a great player just because they are. And Justin had great anticipation, great strength, could run well. He did have good length. Very tough. Very tough. And, and he was ideal for that position. Final question about the defensive front. You know, when I, you look at the draft that's all coming now, there's, there's a guy called Devontae Wyatt at Georgia. You know, he's 6'3", he's 300 pounds, very quick, very strong. You'd probably describe him as a classic three technique if you were going to sort of put him into sort of a, you know, tag a name to him. Geno Atkins type player. Can a player like that figure into a 3-4 defensive front? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've got to study a guy, and sometimes people might think he's a three technique, but that's not always true. He might be a great four-eye uh, or a five. And, you know, really in the odd front, you run quite a bit of three technique, you know, depending on the formation. So the great thing about – that's also the great thing about the 3-4. As a DN, you're going to play the three. You're going to play the four-eye. You're going to play the five. You're going to play all those spots. So you have to be flexible to be able to handle it and do it. What do you look for in a classic 3-4 pass rushing outside linebacker? Well, you know, you, you got to be able to run, obviously. Your first step, your anticipation, your first step is very, very important. Your get-off is really important because it's all about the pass rush. 
you know, in, in the NFL, it's not so much three, four, sometimes it's more of a five, two, because those, those outside linebackers almost play it like a, the old four, three DN. They just got to be able to pass drop enough to not hurt you. Obviously the more they can pass drop better off they are, but the key is, can they get to the quarterback? That's the big key. And how well are they at getting to the quarterback? How well their hands, how well is their quickness or tenacity they want to, you know, obviously size is important here too. length to get off those kind of things. Really, really important. Smart. I liked, you know, we had Ahmad Brooks and we had Alden Smith and, um, you know, those guys were really, really good. And, um, you know, you, but the smarter they are, it, it helps because all the formations, the drops, the calls, all the different things you do, you know, it really helps you. Is there a preferred form of coverage in the three, four at the back end? You know, what would, for example, Vic Fangio go with, for example? Is it a lot of man? And, and what type of cornerbacks play best within this scheme? Well, you want corners, no matter what scheme, four, three or three, four, you want corners that can cover man. They can get up there and press and they can challenge receivers. You know, if they can't do that, it's tough. You know, sometimes playing zone goes a little bit harder sometimes with some people. Uh, you know, you have a different, different, but you know, uh, we ran all the man and zone. We ran both, you know, so, but they got to be able to run man. They got to be able to play man. They got, you, you want our length. Corners are critical. Corners are the key. Your safety's got to be gr great communicators, great tacklers, um, heady type ball players, got to be very smart. But those corners are the key. That's who you're going to draft the highest because they got to be able to go out there and lock up the receiver. Very good receivers. Why, why are they so key, Coach, then? Is it because they've got to be quick? They've got to be great athletes? They've got to be able to stick, especially in the modern NFL where you're, you're playing some fantastic athletes at the wide receiver position? Well, exactly. That's why. Those receivers get paid a lot of money. They're very, very good. You want to take them out of the equation. If you can take those receivers out of the equation, then it just helps the rest of the defense out. You can load up to other areas. If you can't handle the perimeter with your corners, they'll just sit there and beat you all day long. You know, you got that's that's one of the key positions. You got to have corners in this defense, and I would say in any of them, you better have corners or you're not going to be successful. And how do the safeties play into all of this? You know, what what are their key duties? Well, like I said earlier, they got to be smart. They got to be great tacklers because they're going to make a lot of plays. They got to be heady ball players. They got to be able to anticipate. They got to be able to communicate extremely well to each other and, and to the defense. Uh, all those things are very important. And coach, final question. It does seem that Vic Fangio's scheme very popular at the moment in the league. We've just seen Ed Donatel become the new defensive coordinator in Minnesota. Brandon Staley's the coach in LA with the Chargers. Seattle's uh, brought in some of Vic's former guys as well. Do you think this is a, a trend that will continue within the league? Do you think we will see more teams go with this? And, and do you think there's any reason for that, uh, short of the fact that it's, it's just been very successful, obviously, for Vic Fangio when, he, when he's been in the NFL? But do you think it does anything to combat the modern style or the current trends within the league? Well, you know, you've got to feel they're very successful with the 4-3 defense. The thing I like about the 3-4 is, like, like I said, it's, it's adaptable, it's flexible. And when you get into passing situations, you can get in the even front. Just take the nose guard out, put another DB in or two DBs in, and, and then you've got a whole system, a sub package that you can run uh, with the even front. So uh, it's got great flexibility. Uh, you can do a lot of things. Uh, I, I believe he'll, he'll be around for quite a while. A big thank you to Coach Jim Levitt for his time. 
it did make me think about the importance of the cornerback position, as he was talking about there. Seattle, traditionally under Pete Carroll, has been willing to find their guys later in the draft. The typical Carroll scheme allowed the Seahawks to find players of a certain size and profile that can play deep third of the defense, tackle, and play within the scheme which asked them not to be beaten over the top. In an article on Levitt's arrival at Oregon, there was a discussion about his approach, stating the central idea is to limit the information a quarterback can glean pre-snap and force them to make reads and decisions on the fly. It went on to say all of the linebackers in Oregon's 2017 defense, even the inside ones, are closer in profile of a heavy-hitting defensive back than a bulky linebacker, prioritizing speed and quickness over size or strength. On most RPOs and play action, the interior seven would play the run, leaving the secondary to handle the pass options. This puts a lot of stress on the safeties and cornerbacks to hold up in coverage. It made me consider whether there's going to be a renewed focus on the corner position, and maybe this is why Seattle has invested as much as it has in the safety position. If they want to utilize something similar to Levitt's scheme, and it's perfectly plausible they will do things differently, of course, Acquiring a big-time cover corner might be necessary if they're going to put the same coverage stress on the position and keep the front seven mostly in the box. Sean Desai, when he was defensive coordinator in Chicago, had Jalen Johnson shadow Odell Beckham, Devontae Adams, and Mike Evans. It might be that the Seahawks seriously consider one of Source Gardner or Derek Stingley Jr. with the view that they can take on a similar role. Or alternatively, They'll continue to do things Carroll's way and target a cornerback who can be successful in this same kind of role, just not drafted in the top 10, but drafted in maybe round three or four or five. It's worth noting a couple of other things. Desai liked to rush predominantly with a standard set and not blitz. The blitzing numbers reduced when he was defensive coordinator in Chicago. So pass rush is still of vital importance because if you can't get home with four, you won't create pressure. Levitt was talking about how important it is that those guys can pass rush and the Seahawks need to add to that position as we've been discussing over the weeks. So despite all of the cornerback talk, they do need game wreckers off the edge or this won't work. Desai also ran a lot of three safety looks. The two previous coordinators, Fangio and Chuck Picano, lived with two linebackers on the field. When Desai took over, the second linebacker played 8% fewer snaps. It might mean if they draft a linebacker early, they go for a quick, dynamic cover type who can almost do both the job of the third safety or a linebacker. Or they might just use a mix with Cody Barton or a rookie coming off the field so Ryan Neal or Marquise Blair can play more snaps. It's an interesting thought, though as how much Seattle will adopt some of these three, four concepts that Fangio and his fellow coaches have used and how this is going to impact the draft and the types of players they pick, whether things change with regards to how early they take cornerbacks, whether there's more importance on that position and what they're going to do with some hefty draft stock in the first three rounds. I hope you enjoyed the interview and the discussion afterwards. For more of this, subscribe to the Rebuild podcast, now available on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Until next time, bye for now.